Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. Thanks for joining us as we study biblical prophecy. And biblical prophecy doesn't get any better than in the second epistle of Peter. You know, a lot of ways the study of prophecy, biblical prophecy, overlooks Second Peter, and it shouldn't be done. Today we're going to be looking at the kingdom announcement in Second Peter chapter 1. But before I get there, the verses towards the end of, well, actually the first half of chapter 1 are Peter's last will and testament. He says, this is, this is like my last teaching. This is the last thing I get to say. It's very important, so pay attention. And this is how he introduces that. In 2 Peter chapter 1, starting with the 12th verse, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these things, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to arouse you by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me, and I will see to it that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Now, there were very important teachings given in the first few verses of 2 Peter chapter 1, as well as the next few verses, immediately after St. Peter says, this is my last will and testament, and I'm just for the probably for the final time, the recipients of this letter, telling you this so that you can always remember this, because this is something not to forget. So then in verse 16, he picks up that teaching. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we've already studied, the power and the parousia, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word made more sure. You will do well to pay attention to this as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Now, what Peter is focusing on here is the transfiguration. And during the transfiguration, the voice of God the Father breaks through from heaven. Now, Roughly, in the New Testament, God the Father speaks about 35 words. Uh, I don't know exactly what language he spoke in. You might say, well, he would have spoken in Hebrew. Uh, but God, uh, unlike sometimes people who run apostolates, uh, God accommodates people to their common language. So I really don't know what language it was. But right here, he speaks about 
a dozen words. So God the Father isn't a chatty Cathy. He speaks very few words, but his few words that he does speak, what does St. Peter said? You will do well to pay attention to them. So what did God say and what did he mean by what he said? He said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And by the way, this is so rich. This is taking at least two episodes, this one and the next, to unpack this. But this isn't just a nice statement. This isn't a warm father-to-son statement like, you're my boy. No, this is a royal declaration or proclamation of Jesus Christ as king. And I'll be explaining this. Again, this is going to take two episodes to unpack, and you would do well to heed this because your basic Christian worldview is determined by this. This is why Peter said, I'm not going to be around very long. This is my maybe my last word. And so the first pope says, don't forget this. And I'll just give you a little preview to the end of this episode. A lot of Catholics are forgetting this. So in any case, here's a big hint that this was a kingdom proclamation. I'm going to go back to the Gospel of Matthew in the Gospel of Matthew, the very last verse in chapter 16, I'm going to read to you, and then immediately after this verse in Matthew 16, 27, chapter 17 is the whole account of the transfiguration. And remember, when Matthew wrote Matthew and all the other writers of the uh, New Testament wrote their books, there were no chapter divisions. It just went from one sentence or paragraph to another. So this is the big hint what was going on on a Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus says, For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay every man for what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some, not all, some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, we've already talked about how the transfiguration was a type of parousia. It was almost the prefiguring and almost a pre-living of the second coming of Christ. And here, Jesus is saying, some are going to stand here, and it was just Peter, James, and John who go up the Mount of Transfiguration. The Transfiguration was seeing Jesus come in his kingdom. This is the hint of what's going on. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain, and he was transfigured before him. Now, you might say, no, 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 this can't be this because we read about the second coming all the way at the end of Revelation, Revelation 19 and verse 15, we read, from his mouth issues a sharp sword, 
with which to smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And this is really important because what I'm going to share in the next episode connects Revelation 19 to 2 Peter 1 to what was God speaking when he says, this is my beloved son. But in any case, going on, and on his robe and on his thigh was a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The second coming, the parousia, the final parousia, the ultimate parousia, is the total universal manifestation of Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, there's a huge mistake made by Christians of all types, and not all Christians, not all types of Christians, but multitude of Christians think, well, Jesus will rule the world as King of King and Lord of Lords at his second coming. And that is such an enormous mistake. It just can't be emphasized enough that it's at his first coming, Jesus comes as King, and the transfiguration is part of this announcement. There are some standing here that'll see the kingdom come in power in Matthew chapter 4, very beginning of Jesus's ministry. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he went about all Galilee teaching and preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel is about the kingdom and specifically about the king, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, here's where we go off the rails, okay? I just today looked uh, in a well-illustrated book by Dr. Tim LaHaye, who was the theologian and co-author of the Left Behind Rapture books. And very clearly, he has these charts of all biblical prophecy that the millennial kingdom begins after the second coming of Jesus with a focus on the nation Israel, okay? So the kingdom is pushed way into the future, according to Dr. LaHaye, the Left Behind books, the rapture theory, and all of that. And that's a huge mistake, and we will dig into that in the future as we have in the past, But to me, there's something even worse than the rapture folks missing the kingdom, thinking it's only in the future. And my job every now and then is to just, as graciously as I can, step on your toes. Because the folks who are even worse are many Catholics. You see, Catholics have a feast of Christ the King. It was uh, the feast was inaugurated by Pope Pius XI in 1925, and it came out within an encyclical by the name of Quas Primus, and it was all on the focus on Christ the King since he had been uncrowned, so to speak. Throughout the modern world, the feast was established to reinforce in the strongest possible way every year that Christ is, present tense, King. Now, Did you know that the Feast of Christ the King, established by Pope Pius XI, was to be at the end of October? You're saying, no, 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 Steve, you're mistaken. The Feast of Christ the King is at the end of November, at the very last Sunday in the church year. Well, that's what's happening now. And what does that symbolize? 
that Christ becomes king at the end of this present time in world history, at the second coming, the second parousia. (laughs) See what this does? The kingdom doesn't come in a humble way that's overlooked by many of the kings of the earth, except Pilate. But it's here, and it's now, and the consequences for our nation and the other modern nations of the world are utterly staggering. And if Christ isn't king, and I'm not talking just king of my heart, he is king, and you fill in the blank, every single inch of this planet, every nation, every culture, every person. And if we say, oh, that's great, Christ will be king when he comes again, we've missed it. We've entirely missed what the gospel is about, and that is the announcement of a kingdom. The king has come, and what St. Peter is saying is that at the transfiguration, when God says, this is my son, and again, I'm going to need another episode for this, but just the warm-up from Matthew 16, you're going to see the king coming in his glory and splendor. That's the transfiguration. And it's like an exhibit A that the kingdom has arrived. And by all means, don't miss it and make sure your children know about this because so often it's missed by a multitude of good folks. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you have been listening to episode 294 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.